I'm doing this on a championship Sunday. I know, right? Already missing the game. We were thinking, <laughs> we were thinking to pull up the game, like as we're doing this, but whatever. Let's do it next. How you doing, Stephen? A? I'm good, man. It's good. Just got off the plane, came straight here from, from where? New York. Nice. Yeah. Where'd you get that jacket at? Huh? It's a nice jacket. Tom Ford. Okay. Yeah. Like it. Various styles, stuff like that. Shoot, I ain't the most attractive brother in the world. I gotta, I gotta help myself as much as I can. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you don't have the looks, at least have some style. Do something, up, bro? You know what I'm saying? Try. Get started. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. We got Steve, Stephen A. Smith. This is a big it's championship uh, weekend, man. Come I know. On, let's do this. I know we don't want to hold you up too long. No, we got you, two big you football can keep games me. Let's just today. go. Let's just go. Um, let's just go. <laughs> you know, we got to get right into the Lakers Celtics last night. They're recording this now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just go for it. Go ahead, man. Uh, I mean, I was upset this morning. I know they were upset seeing LeBron not get that call. So his bullshit. Um, he definitely got fouled. It definitely should have been a foul call. The league has publicly acknowledged that the officials missed the call. We understand that. But in the same breath, they walked into the game three games under 500 with 26 losses in um, 49 games. Sure. So let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Yeah, they got a bad call. Yeah, they sh it was the wrong call. Yes, they should have won the game. All of that's true. It happens. But how do they miss that with LeBron James? I just told you. I said they made a mistake. They messed up. No question about so, it. And you would think that with him being the superstar that he is, you're going to get a benefit of the doubt. Usually it works in reverse. What usually happens is that somebody like him gets a call he doesn't deserve. Sure. But it worked in reverse last night. Um, it's really unfortunate. I don't like the way the officials have been officiating the game. I think that too much, um, too much emphasis has been placed on a lot of player behavior and stuff like that. And if you really want to be appalled about it, how about the fact that he got teed up? It was a technical foul that was granted to the Boston Celtics mm. because of all of his histrionics when he was calling for the foul and then get the call. Yeah. So in the overtime, they were a point up because they called the tech on him. Then so you made a bad call, you missed it, you cost them the game, and on top of it all, you gave him a tech. All of that was wrong. Do you think there's anything that should be done, like any punishment, maybe to the refs for missing stuff like that? Or that That's for the league office to determine. I think they they look at these referees, and sometimes referees do get punishment. They don't get the plum assignments that you would expect them to get. Uh, there's been turnover within the officiating crew throughout the years. The same officials aren't always there. So there's punishments. It's just that we don't talk about them because they don't make news. I mean, really, really think about it. If you sat here today, okay, and and a referee lost his job, Mm -hmm. and who's reassigned to the G League or something like that. How much more than 60 seconds would you spend on the story? Nobody cares. True. So at the end of the day, that's what that's what matters. That's awesome. How yeah. do you uh, feel about the whole LeBron James about to pass Kareem? Does that, like him passing Kareem, is that going to put him over the top of the, like the MJ conversation? Not for me. Always, It'll really? never happen for me. Why, why do you I've think always that? made that very, very clear. Um, I think that LeBron James on the Mount Rushmore basketball I think he's one of the top two players that have ever played this game. He does not have the resume of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He does not have the resume of Bill Russell, but he's still number two all time. The reason that I don't put him number one is because there was too many times earlier in his career where he didn't have that assassin's mentality. So 2011 is what you're, exactly. talking, about. you're talking about. Well, that, that wasn't the only one, but I'm just saying that was an example. There were times we look at Jordan 
And we look, first of all, he's 6-0 in NBA Finals. He still has more championships than LeBron James, even though LeBron James has been to more conference um, championship uh, finals appearances. That's number one. Number two, the game is considerably softer now than it was in the 80s and the 90s because of the way. That's not the player's fault. It's the way the officials call the game mandated by the league. Hand-checking has been eradicated, you know, putting elbows in the back, all of this other stuff, being physical, having to endure the path of resistance that – MJ had to endure on that climb to the top. LeBron has not had to go through that. That's not his fault. The athletes today, one would easily argue, are greater. Uh, the, the game is much, much faster. We get all of that. But the stiffness of competition, um, when you look at it, is just different today than it was back then. Not to mention the fact that the, you know, the quality of competition that you're going up against, the way the game was called, the physicality, the tactics that were employed to derail somebody who was an elite player and an elite athlete no longer exists. You combine all of that with the fact that you never looked at MJ and said in a championship series, he didn't get it done. Not one time. You Not can't one say, time. But you can't say like the accolades, though. Like that's like... I mean, four rings, the amount of championships, and then he passes Kareem as a guy that's not like A couple first. of things. When it comes to basketball, with all due respect, I can say what I want to say. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can so see, let me yeah, be very no, clear about that because I'm going to tell you right now, I covered these dudes. Mm -hmm. I saw it with my own two eyes. And, there's, and, and, and not to say when you're watching it on television that you don't see a lot because you do, but when you see stuff up close – and when you talk to it's the players, yeah, I can't agree with it's that. a different animal. And and listen, everybody universally respects LeBron. Yeah. One of the greatest ever. But they feared Jordan, bro. Feared. Okay, yeah, I can't argue they, with they, that. They were scared. Yeah, yeah. And, and then exactly. when you think about it also, throughout LeBron's tenure, there has always been a debate as to who was his peer. Was it Kobe or, you know, other guys? You know, Kevin Durant, Kevin, stuff yeah, like, like that. Said, and yeah. don't get me wrong, I think he eclipsed that. I think he answered the call. But there was always the question. Tell me one time in MJ's career when there was even a question. I'm too young to answer that question. But uh, I think that's where, like, the debate kind of goes because you I'm see more. That, yeah, I, yeah. I respect the debate, but I think the, the debate is for folks mm -hmm. with youth. Folks who are a little bit older. Yeah. yeah. Who watched yeah, yeah. MJ yeah, and right. watched LeBron. No. You're right. Yeah, beyond yeah. a shadow of a doubt. And that that's what it was. And so I, and I also think this. They've asked me about Kobe. How come Kobe isn't in that conversation? He's got more chips than LeBron James. And I said my response was Kobe's not even number one in his position. And we all. Not at all. You got to think about MVPs and like how many he's won. No, and like other no I'm just well. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just watching the game with the mm -hmm. eye test. Mm hmm. As great and as phenomenal as Kobe was, nobody ever said he's superior to MJ. And they played identical positions mm -hmm. and had an identical style of play. LeBron James is unquestionably the greatest small forward who's ever played the game. Yeah. Ever. No question. That's yeah, better yeah. than Bird. That's yeah, better yeah. than everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Better than everybody. Yeah. But again, when you compare him to MJ, there's nuances that you take into consideration. And all I can tell y'all is Go back and talk to the players that went up against him. They feared MJ. Nobody feared LeBron. They respect him. Profound respect for him. But nobody feared him. You walked into an arena and you was like, damn, I got to deal with this dude. I want no parts of him. Yeah. You were so scared mm -hmm. of MJ, you were depressed the night before thinking about going up against that brother. It I was can't just argue a different for level. That.
Yeah, yeah. It just, I, it, you've seen it. In yeah. response to that, real quick, how, how come you think it's always because you watch both players, right? Why is it always talked about the physicality aspect, but they don't focus on like today's game? There's obviously more talent. Well, I don't. You know what? That's a good question. I don't know why they don't focus on today being about it being superior talent. I think I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Um, because in fairness to you, I've never even asked that question to anybody else, and I should have. I would surmise that the reason why people do that is because as superior as today's athletes are, you can't get away from the fact that they're helped tremendously by the way the game is called. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> I believe that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter God ever created. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think that's an argument. But I'm just saying, we, we see him whatever. Mm-hmm. So let me share a conversation with you that I had with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas said to me one time, and he loves Steph Curry and thinks that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter ever, blah, blah, blah. He said if he was playing in our era, he would not have averaged more than 18 points a game. Okay. And okay, I said, that's, how that's blasphemous. You? Yeah. That's yeah. Bla- <laughs> No, don't say, listen, listen to the answer, bro. There's a reason this two-time champion said that. Yeah. The rules would have allowed them to rest on his shoulder and to be physical with him in such a way that he wouldn't have been able to get the shot off. Uh-huh. Okay. The rules would have allowed that when he came through the paint, we were going to make him feel us. And he wasn't going to be in any condition to run around as much as he can. Yeah, the way you're explaining now, it. Yeah. Now, if you remember, the first few years Steph Curry was in the league, what was his issue? He had ankle problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, they had to work through that. It was like four or five years. In his fourth, fifth year in the league, there were legitimate questions as to how long would his career last because he kept getting these ankle injuries. Well, those old school guys said, well, what do you think we would have done to that? Mm -hmm. You think we would have just let him run by us? They Mm -hmm. said, we would have been tripping him. We'd have have been doing everything. He would have felt knees. He would have felt elbows. We would have tripped him. We would have got physical with him. And we would have gotten away with it because of the way the game was called and what was allowed. So when you hear that, all of a sudden, now you have to think and you have to look at dudes in different light. When you look at a guy, Eddie Johnson does Sirius XM radio, you know, in the afternoon on NBA radio. He was averaging like 17, 18 points a night and people revere him. Why? Because of his toughness. You look at guys like Oakley. Remember the old days with Maurice Lucas and people like that. They were enforcers. Who's an enforcer now? There's no such thing. It's not allowed. Right. You look at guys like, um, you know, it, it, Bird coming up. You look at Dr. J and it's like, wait a minute. The physicality that existed, what they would try to do to derail you physically and what you were able to overcome to showcase your greatness. Mm-hmm. That is what they're talking about. So when they bring stuff like that up, that's when I'm saying, okay, it makes sense now. I think too, going off that, Steph Curry, like in that sense, he's probably not going to play as confident mentally if he knows he's going to. It's a more physical game. Yeah. I think nowadays he's probably pretty confident he's going to get the call. He's protected. Okay. When they, somebody's shooting, right? Yeah. You ever see a shooter and sometimes they just run at you and they act like they're going to hit you in your lower yeah, body or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't make Down. you flinch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Guys in today's game follow through with no problem because it's so rare that that happens. Mm-hmm. Guys back in the day would flinch in a heartbeat and wouldn't follow through because they knew they were going to get hit. 
Yeah. So it's like it's it's lit. It's not literally, but it's almost like a in football, a wide receiver going over the middle, and you're waiting for a Micah Parsons in today's game or a Ronnie Lott back in the day, or whatever Jack Tatum back in the day who paralyzed Daryl Stingley, God rest his soul, stuff like that. When you see guys and you know their intentions are to hurt you, you know, they are out there to do nothing else but to punish you. All of a sudden, you that receiving, now you got alligator arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You scared because you know you're going to get popped. Mm-hmm. That's the conditions under which those NBA players had to play to a lesser degree. And so when they bring that up and they say, don't talk to us about toughness, the, the best way they can bring it, to, you know, give you some clue as to what they're thinking is when they say, well, if Jordan was playing today, he'd average 60. Why are they talking about that? The athletes are better. They're talking about the way the game is called and how soft it is compared mm. to how it was once called. That's why they think yeah. he could average 60 because you're not allowed to do but so much. You can't hand check. You can't grab. You can't body them up. You can't impede their progress. You got to give them a safe place to land once they elevate and launch. They got to have. They got to come down with a safe place to land or that's a foul. All of that other yeah. stuff. They say if Jordan had that available to him, if most of the players back in the day had that, that were scorers, had that available to them, they'd be exponentially better. They never talk about it that way. But like if Jordan got the calls today, they never say that. But they they talk, well, they say it to me. Yeah, They sure. say it to me. Uh, so go Jordan to, says it to me. <laughs> I want to ask you because you're obviously very active on social media. Do you pay attention to like the whole LeBron, like LeCap stuff? No, I'm, I'm active on social media from the standpoint that the work that I do I make sure it's not just put out on ESPN. You don't see you don't see the little cap stuff. No, I don't pay no attention. On okay, no, come on. Man. People Wait. say LeBron like just lies. About, he lies like, a lot about a lot of things. Like it's like uh, white lies. Like a lot of like. No, no, they, come on, man. He's come talking. On, Steven. He's, he's saying too. There's a. There's a. There's a. Uh, I, I, why is it, yo, bro, bro? Do you? Uh, how old are you, man? I'm 21. You don't have any idea how old I am. <laughs> Not a, I've been watching you for years. I'm, I'm but. 55, bro. Yeah, but it's funny. I got, I, and I got, you're a funny I got, guy, saying, so I would think got, you like it. But I do a lot of things. It's not beyond okay. the realm of comprehension <laughs> that I miss some of this stuff. I mean, I have people that might tell me some things. She tells me stuff. She calls me about my own business. I'm like, really? That happened? When did I do that? Okay. I'll, I'll do you take... know what they're saying about you? No, I didn't. I didn't see it. I like. They, you know, my my team alerts me. My assistant over there, my security over there. No, stay alert. You, I really you've don't seen it know. Before. Come on. I really let's, don't know. Okay, let's see this. Have right. you seen the clip of LeBron walking in with like he's on the first page of every book when he walks in, and they always capture that? I swear to you. Come on, man. No, I swear to you. This, I've never seen it. But how? Oh, okay, in response, in, in, in response to that, you don't think that. Now that you're covering and being more involved in social media, it's not important to be more on like that side of things no. at all. You only want to cover just what happens it's, in the game. It's not that. It's not that. It's not a matter of me compartmentalizing and saying I don't want to cover something or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm literally working throughout the day. Yeah. yeah. So I got stuff to do and people will alert me to something that's percolating. And then I say, okay, let me take a look at it if I have time. But it's just like I used to be at a – I would tell you before my mother passed away in 2017, God rest her soul, I was at an average of 125 NBA games a year. Wow. Easy. Wow. Right? I was always at the games. What has happened is, damn it, they got me doing a lot of shows. Yeah. 
So I'm stuck in studio because one of the reasons that I've had the relationships that I've had with players and NBA and professional football personnel and stuff like that throughout the years, because they saw me at the games. I was the type of person that I'd go to a football game. I'd go there just to be there pregame. See some of the players, coaches, you know what I, you know, you want to, you want to holler at me later. Just call me later. I'll catch you later, whatever. Or they'd be like, yo, Stephen, hey, make sure you meet us here after the, meet us at the spot after the game. Blah. That's all. I'd go there. I'd stay there for a half or whatever. I'd go home. This is, I mean, uh, you know, or I'd go to a game really late or, or, or leave the game really late or whatever the case may be. I'm constantly, constantly on the move. What has happened is, is that ESPN's got me doing so many damn shows that I'm in studio. <laughs> and so because I'm in studio, I can't get to the games away. And then when you're doing content, okay, well, I did this on linear television, but I have social media platforms to post my work. And if I have a few minutes, I might look online and I might comment about something here and there just to show people, yo, listen, I'm trying to pay attention. I'm busy, but I'm active. You know, I got other stuff to do, but I don't have time to be following stuff like that. You got to tell me because I don't know. Do you know the other day there was some some blue, not the blue check, but the blue uh, a tag on Twitter or whatever? Yeah, that 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 means that um that means that the story's false. Something like that. Some blue. I don't know what the hell it is. I haven't seen that. Paper. Who knows? Okay. Now. Do you know? I just found out about that three days ago. I didn't. You're I telling had no me. Clue. You I had no clue. You knew before us. I think. Okay. I don't even That's know what that I, is. I don't know. Somebody at ESPN told me this three days ago. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, guys. I really don't. But that's. That kind of stuff that we were talking about with the look capsule, that's the stuff that ESPN and SportsCenter are posting every day. So, But I'm saying, like, Darius Garland might go for 35. You're not even seeing that. You're seeing... I saw that he went for 35. So, okay. In terms of how ESPN <laughs> utilizes it, I don't know that. Yeah. Like, you, like, like, I'm yeah. producing content for ESPN, so I'm not paying attention to some other things that they might do from time to time. They alert me. I have access to it if I want to. Right. But do I see it without being alerted? What's no, because I ain't looking for but it. But what I'm saying, do you think that the, the more culture and that kind of social media stuff is kind of outshining what's actually happening on the court sometimes? Like with players you might not even... I, I guess that's possible, but ultimately it comes back to the person producing content. Okay. And Darius Garland wouldn't matter if he wasn't in an NBA uniform, an NBA uniform wreaking havoc alongside Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. See, the reality of the situation is that you're, you're talking about ancillary things that are in addition sure. to his great play on the court. I'm the person that's looking at his great play on the court. Got it. I'm not focused on all the storylines and stuff like that. I might have been a, like like when Tristan, you know, hooked up with Chloe Kardashian or whatever. I might have been the last to know. I'm <laughs> looking at the fact that Demi, he's on the court. Yeah. He, he need to grab some rebounds. What's going on here? I need him to do this. I need him to do that. I'm not saying that I don't know. I'm saying that I'm late to the party on that. Maybe stuff that's a cause and effect though. Thing it doesn't too, it doesn't right? it doesn't involve my job. Like what Tristan's <laughs> doing off the court. Oh, yeah, it translates oh, no, no, to. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that for me, what I do, right. that well, I doesn't affect me. Because when y'all when y'all are looking at me on television yeah. or listening to me on radio or whatever the case may be, it's based on their level of production with what they do. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody coming to me looking for me to comment about what's going on outside of that. 100%. So that's, I'm like, I'm giving the audience, what the audience expects from me. Well, damn it, this dude is playing sorry. What's Stephen A got to say? Why he think this dude playing like that? Why is he looking like that? That's what you're looking for from me. You ain't looking for me to, yeah, oh, Tristan hooked up with Chloe. You ever, what you, you ever got to say that? about that? They should come to, come to you for that to see your reaction. 
One well, time. I, 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 me, I would refrain from commenting about Kat's personal life because that's just not my style. Yeah. Um, and not only that, I, I'm not going to lie. You can call it chauvinistic or whatever you, what you want, but there's just certain things that's just man codes. You know, it's like it's, it involves your relationship with somebody else. Ain't none of my damn business. Got you it. know, now, so if you play like garbage, <laughs> what I'm going to go is like this. And, and I I, if that. I saw you with if I saw you hanging out one, two in the morning and you play like <laughs> trash, then I'll be like this. Man, what were you doing last? <laughs> but that's all. You, you ever, what I'm saying? Yeah. It would be it would be a clue to like to let you. It'd be like letting him know. Look, I know why the hell you messed up last night. Now, I ain't gonna say it, but I know why you just give him the side eye like that. Just give him the side eye. That's my way. You know, sometimes because you got to do it subliminally if you're not right in their face. Right. So sometimes I give him the side eye like, "What the hell were you doing last night?" Because they know I know. Sure. Like if I say <laughs> if I say something like that, yeah, they'll be like, "Damn that damn Stephen A. I'm sorry, ass, he saw me." They love you, but they hate they probably you won't do way. it again though after right? you give them the side eye. Yeah, yeah, this is love hate because of that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I but they know I would never say anything. Of course, it's yeah. just that I would be. It would be my way of letting them know. I know. Why the hell you look like that? But you ain't that. gonna snitch though. I know that. Yeah. I ain't has there ever been a time? <laughs> has there ever been a time when a player's gotten like really pissed at you? For like something you said? Oh, plenty of times, but it's, like all, but, it's all, but it's always involving the sport. There's no one, no one that will ever say Stephen A. revealed my personal stuff. I don't roll like But like, that. what is there ever a story of someone that like you saw them out like after you made a comment or anything like that? Like they've tried to press you? Oh yeah, plenty of times. I mean, Alan Iverson and I didn't speak for eight months. Um, Glenn Big Dog Robinson and I got into it after Randy Ayers got fired many years ago. Um you know, DeMarcus Cousins didn't like me too much. Um, but there's other players, LeBron, D. Wade, um, Draymond, uh, various others. Kobe, is, oh God, Kobe, Chris Paul. Kobe and Chris Paul were my nightmares. Um, but all of those players that I mentioned, Westbrook, all of them, they approached me like men. Boys, this episode is sponsored by Shopify. Shopify is an all-in-one e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. If you're inspired to start a new business venture this year, you guys gotta try Shopify. Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your in-person or e-commerce business without the struggle. Shopify is the global e-commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. So whether you're offering custom stickers from Shopify's in-person POS system or selling sunglasses on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are in good hands. By now it's clear, you boys know that I love Shopify. We've used Shopify's e-commerce platform from the very beginning to sell full send and happy that gear hosted on our website. My favorite thing about Shopify is no matter how big you wanna grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. They're truly a global force powering millions of entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. So boys, if you're thinking of starting a business, doing anything, get something going, you can go to shopify.com slash full send and sign up for a $1 per month trial, period. So all lowercase, go to shopify.com slash full send and take your business to the next level today. Told me what they felt and why. 
I gave them my position. If I thought they were right about something, I'd go on the air and correct myself. I've always if I thought that. They were, if I thought they were wrong, I stood pat. It's just that simple. And um, shoot, I'm trying to think. Um, but yeah, that was about it. But they come up to me and they and they express their point of view. And once they do that, I'm good with it. I always have been. Yeah, I've always loved that about you, man. Like you've always, it's about sports. Like it's never outside. Like you even mentioned like the Khloe Kardashian, like it's none of your damn business. None bro. of your business. I've seen, I've seen an interview with you and LeBron as well. Like yeah. a long time ago. It was, I think it was like 2005. Now it's about 2008, 2009. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was like around that time. But I remember he was like very up and coming in the league and stuff. But I've always like wondered like, how was it? Like, have you seen LeBron? Have you like, like. You know, said what's up to him. This oh, yeah, and that. yeah. I've, I've that. always wanted we, to see we, we that. We did that last season again. too. He came up to me and gave me a hug when we were at the game in uh That's love. in LA and the whole bit. I mean, we don't talk or nothing like that, but it's it's respect. He knows I got a job to do. He knows I'm not gonna kiss his ass. I know mm -hmm. he's got a job to do, I know he ain't gonna kiss my ass. And that's just the way it's gonna be. You know, and so I I mean, listen, man, respect is given. This man is one of the greatest ever. Um, D Wade is a Hall of Famer who I love dearly. Uh, Kobe and Chris Paul, like I said, scared the living hell out of me because when they picked, when they had a problem, this is what I so much, so much respected about them. The others approached me when they saw me. Mm -hmm. No, no, CP3, Kobe, they looked for me. We, pick up your goddamn. <laughs> Wait, I know, I know. We did not just hear you say that shit you just said. <laughs> Call me. You know, what but I'm you saying? get like a text. No, 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 that's after I didn't answer their call. So do like, you have when, to Kobe <laughs> called me one time. I was on the air. Pick up the phone, motherfucker. Don't try to hide. Get your ass on that phone right now. Call me back. That's some bullshit you just said. You know, I was like, oh. Did you call him back? You know, of course I did. And then how'd it go from there? there? There's no, there's no athlete that I've ever avoided. No, no coach, no executive, <laughs> nothing. It's my responsibility within the chair that I sit in to embrace anybody who reaches out to me. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you hate me. If you call me, I have to call you back. If I talked about you, because I made you news. And so I don't have the luxury of being able to run from anybody. So I never think about running. Do other analysts, do, is that like a common thing? I wouldn't say it's common, but I don't know what their tactics or techniques are because I don't pay attention to them. They are who they are. I'm Stephen A. You're yeah. very in your lane, man. It's it's awesome to like hear how you speak and stuff. I want, <laughs> no, honestly speaking, like he doesn't even funny, talk bro. about like any, like it's his business and everything. But I wanted to know, do you ever regret like past takes that you've like had on certain athletes? I'm quite sure. Um, you know, listen, man, <clears throat> I didn't like that Randy Ayers got fired and I felt that Big Dog Robinson did it wrong when he was with the 76ers. But how I, I, how I handled that story was immature. It bordered on unprofessional at one point. There was no calls for it whatsoever. And ultimately, I'm the one sitting in my chair, not Big Dog Robinson. And it was my responsibility to conduct myself more professionally. I wasn't unprofessional, but that doesn't mean I could not have been better. And then I never forget I was in Houston and I saw his son. Um, and I walked right up to his son and I told the son, that situation with me and your dad, that's my fault. Not your dad. Your dad didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't matter how I felt. It doesn't matter what legitimate argument I can get. I wanted to hold no responsibility whatsoever for a son 
to be in the league potentially worrying about how I was going to cover him because of whatever feelings he thought I may have had about his father based off of what I expressed. I said, nah, the hell with all of that. It don't matter how I felt about what I thought Big Big Dog did. At the end of the day, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. It's my responsibility. And I'm not going to have this kid walking around there thinking that I feel that way about his dad. So I Mm -hmm. walked up to him. I let, I was wrong. And if I see your father, I tell him to his face, I was wrong. And we ain't going to do that no more. I said, whatever beef we had squashed is, is done. You know, um, that was one incident. Um, you know, you, you sit up there and you take a multitude of takes, Allen Iverson, when, um, he and I didn't speak, it got so ugly in 2010 that I was told there was people looking for me to do me harm really because of of how bad it appeared with me and AI and well you know he's from the streets I'm from the streets so You're from Queens I yeah. went down to Atlanta where I had a crew and I went down there looking for him. no police involved no anything but I'm like you looking for me you're gonna find me I'm not gonna be that guy I ain't running because I ain't living my life in hiding that's not happening and so he met up with me it was a complete lie. There was nobody looking for me. There was nothing like that going on. He just didn't have anything to say. And when we sat down, finally, it almost broke my heart because I've always had a lot of love for him because we've always been tight. But, you know, he got into some situations and you can't just ignore every damn story when you're a journalist. You got a job to do. And I think what really resonated with me was that he looked me dead in my face. And all of these stories that was percolating, he said, I don't give a shit about none of those stories. You know me. I don't care about that. All I care about is that your name was on the byline. So to him, it wasn't the story. It was the fact that it was me. Let somebody else write it. Let somebody else say that shit. Not you. Because you my man. And so we ultimately reached an understanding because there's so much stuff that I had left out at mm-hmm. that time. And I didn't think that what I wrote was harmful in any way. But when I looked at him, it didn't mean anything to him. All he cared about is that it was me. He said, not you, not you, you my man. And I was like, that is the day that I knew that I could never cover him again. Cause I love him so much. He's like a little brother to me. Mm-hmm. And that was the day I said, I got it. And from that point forward, I have nothing to say about him unless I talk to him first because objectivity is out the window. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are like this. That's my man. We talk about three times a month. You know, I'm always checking up on him. When I go down to Carolina, I go see him. I go check on him the whole bit. That's my man, you know? And so I know things about him that he would never, ever, ever tell any reporter on this earth. That's my guy. And so because of that, you recognize that that line has been crossed. I'm not going to be objective when it comes to him. That's a so that's that's what that's, that's, that's the way it's going to be. Have, have personal relationships that you've had with like other athletes? Does that affect the way you report on them? No, this was the only time that's happened because I think that he was a guy that was in a rare situation that required more. Mm. See, with the other dudes, it's like 
that's strictly sports. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kobe and I were tight. Kobe and I had conversations after Eagle County, Colorado, that has never been repeated and never will be repeated. Um, but I will tell you, he died proclaiming his innocence. I will tell you that. Yeah. But I will tell you also that, you know, at the end of the day, most conversations and most relationships I have with these dudes, you know, are about basketball. I would tell you me and Shaq, that's different. You know, when we talk about the Iverson relationship that I have, well, I had a relationship like that to a lesser degree with Kobe, and I had a relationship damn near identical to that with Shaq. So, you know, outside of that, you know, even though I have relationships with a lot of people, they understand you play like shit, I'm going to call it. Yep. You play great, I'm going to call it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to my viewers or listeners. And it's not anything for me not to violate the code of not revealing personal stuff because I don't do that anyway. That's not my style. Stay out of the police blotters. Don't make your personal life public consumption because police got involved or anything like that. Don't break no laws. Outside of that, what you're doing with your life is none of my business. And that's how I've always approached it. That way, that's how I understand it. So when you do stuff professionally, I'm gonna call it exactly like I see it. No mercy. Yeah. It is what it is. Can we can we switch up to the NFL? Sure. Do it, what do you think? Uh, today we got Eagles, Niners. This will I picked the after, Eagles and the Bengals. So. Well, wait, let's get your picks to see. Yeah. I picked the Eagles and the Bengals. That's who you picked? Yeah. How really? are you? Yes. What's your logic behind taking Joe Burrow over Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> well, other than Jesus, the fact that he's beaten all these, the, 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 the three times the, they faced one another. What about? Uh, the, I mean, the, the Chiefs that, are the favorite, so. Well, per. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes got that high ankle sprain, even though they said he'll be ready to go. The fact of the matter is he's coming into this game less than 100%. He does not have Tyreek Hill available to him. When he did have Tyreek Hill available last year, they lost. Um, could they win? Sure, they could win. But I think that when you see Cincinnati fully loaded, seven, seven uh, right now. their defense, their defense is um, their defense is uh, is better this year than it was last year. Um, and I think that Kansas City is big time as they are. And Travis Kelsey's my brother from another mother. That's my dog right there. Um, I just think that it's one of those situations where um, Cincinnati should be the favorite. Either team could win. San Francisco could beat Philly. And Mahomes and Kansas City could beat the Bengals. But I just have a feeling it's going to be Philly-Cincy. Do you think there's anything with the NFL, like with Brock Purdy, he was the last pick, right? He's crushing it. Any parallel with Tom Brady kind of going out and then you have this kid who's, you know, no one expected. Well, the parallel is that he has everything around him because when Tom Brady first arrived in New England, they had an elite defense. Yeah. They had exceptional coaching by Bill Belichick. And so when you have that along with a bunch of experienced, savvy veterans who know how to win, uh, that goes a long way. And that's what the New England Patriots have. In this case with Purdy, you got an elite defense that's ranked number one across the board. Offensively, you got Debo, you got Kittles, you got Christian McCaffrey, who you acquired from, from Carolina. So you have dudes that you can dip and dunk the ball to. It's not like you went out and you acquired Randy Moss or somebody. You acquired dudes that you could literally throw a screen pass to move the hell out the way and they can move the chains for you because that's what Debo and Christian bring to the table with that offensive line and with the arsenal that they have along with the play calling brilliance of Kyle Shanahan. So I think that even though Purdy is good, the reality is, is that he's been exceptionally helped by the team that he's been placed in and around himself. And I think that's why it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Stephen A., I would really love to know how, like, you grew up, like, Queens. I know you're from Queens, and I know, like, the whole analyst stuff you did. Like, when did you, like, start realizing, man, this is, like, my passion? Like, 
Just I would love to know more. Like, well, I was in um, from. I was in seventh grade, and um, my teacher was like, you know, me getting left back in the fourth grade with a first grade reading level, having, you know, some issues with my academics because I had dyslexia, undiagnosed dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled and struggled and struggled, and I definitely struggled with confidence until the seventh grade when my professor told my mother, he's pretty damn smart. His issue is that he drifts. If he's bored and he's disinterested, he doesn't hear anything you're saying. It goes in one ear and out the other. He doesn't even have recall. But if he's passionate about it, she said, he said, you've got somebody special on your hands because he's pretty brilliant. And so I started thinking about what was I passionate about. And sports was it because of the sports that I used to watch with my dad. And so because of that, um, it just took off from there. And that's where my passion started to grow because it wasn't just about sports. It built my confidence about life. The fact that I could watch and have the recall that I have and to read and to comprehend what was going on in the sports world. I now recognize that I wasn't as dumb as I thought that I was. And as a result, my confidence built from there. So instead of just limiting myself to sports, I would read news, current events, politics, all of this other stuff. You're interested. And I would really, I would really expand my interest and my intellect grew. And as my intellect grew, obviously so did my confidence. And that's where it really, really came from. And so, but I also remember that when I'm not that passionate about something, I drift. And so because of that, that made me more cognizant and mindful of being around people and embracing subject matter that interests me. So I'm, you know, the best thing that the best way that I can explain it to you is that when I knew <clears throat> that my, what do you call it? A disability, malady, whatever, whatever way you want to call it. When I realized that it worked to my advantage was when I became a beat writer covering the NBA. Because 20,000, 19 to 20,000 people would be in attendance. And I swear to y'all, when deadline approached and it was time to get it done, to get my article in on time, I literally didn't hear anything. I literally would be in an arena and it's 19,000 people in there and I did not hear a word. I could, I just don't know how to explain it. And that's mm-hmm. not always a good thing. You know what I'm saying? You got a lady, you know, you, you it would be wise for you to listen. If you're bored. You know, yeah. Wise for you shit, to listen. Yeah. I know how to tune people out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I mean, it gets to the point where you have people, family, friends, loved ones, whatever. Literally, if a sporting event is on, they'll have to walk in front of the TV <laughs> to block it. So I can hear because <laughs> I don't hear a damn word they're saying. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, what, and, and, and especially, you know, my girl be like, what did I say? I'm like, shit. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. So, so, you know, you definitely got that going on that, but that has always, always, always been me. And so, you know, um, I understand that. And, you know, that basically answers your question about my passion and who I am, where it comes from. Being from the streets of New York, Hollis, Queens, grew up real poor, surrounded by drugs, drug dealers. Talk about that. I want to know more about that. I, well, do you I'm, talk about that in the sure. book? Yes, I do. I of talk course, about it talk about it. Yeah. I, I'm very, very grateful. Um, you know, my book, Straight Shooter, you know, I've been blessed and fortunate as a New York Times bestseller week one. I'm very proud of that. But I got to tell you, um, I'm thankful to, I don't, I don't get here 
if it wasn't for those people. That's one of the things that's influenced me with sports and just the mentality that we just finished talking about. When I talk about how, you know, I'm not snitching, I'm not talking, mm -hmm. I'm not getting into people's personal business or whatever. I grew up with that code. I grew up with that code. Um, you know, one of the biggest drug dealers in Hollis literally lived directly across the street from me, you know, um, and yeah. he was a killer. And it was understood, Steve is not to be touched. You got dealers in Hollis, Steve is not to be touched. You know, they understood that there was potential in me and they literally threatened they were going to whip my ass if they ever saw me on the really? corner involved in the drug game in any way. They said we didn't have a choice. How did they know? How did they know that about you? They would see me on the basketball court. First of all, the level of diligence that I put forth that I'd shoot like 300 J's a day and stuff like that. They'd see me in school. You know, they know I came home. I'd do my homework, put in the work, whatever. They knew that I wasn't trying to be about that life. And so their whole mentality was, you know, you got your mother there. You got your four older sisters there, active part of your life. You got a support system. You don't have to do this. We did. We made our choice. But we ain't going to let you make this choice. And literally, I've had several of them tell me, we'll, we will fuck you up. Do not be on this corner. Do not be doing this. Do not be going to bust yeah. your ass. And oh. they meant it. And I knew they meant it. And so they would sit up there. They'd let me shoot, stuff like that. Get dark. They had to get into their game. they said, say, all right, it's time for you to go. You know, but it was understood. People in the neighborhood, it was widely known, do not touch me with that game. So everyone kind of believed in you when you were growing up? I wouldn't say everybody, but 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 not certainly not my father, which was in the book. He didn't he believe didn't, in me. Really? He didn't believe in me at all. Um, Talk about that. Yeah. Why? Well, he just said, he just, when I got left back in the fourth grade, he told my mother, the boy just ain't smart. Give it up. He ain't gonna do anything with his life. That's what he told her. He didn't know that I overheard him because I was sitting on the back porch with a window open. Um, but I heard him say that and uh, it was devastating to hear your own father give up on you like that. But I was lucky to have cats in the neighborhood who felt otherwise. So, you know, and then I had my older sister, Linda, who taught me how to read. A friend of the family named Tiver, he taught me how to read as well. And it was a constant daily due diligence put forth that I was going to overcome this. And I'd later learned that it was dyslexia that I was suffering from. Uh, but I don't know how my sister and him overcame that dysfunction for me. But they were just on it and they made me practice, practice, practice. And I would read in any word that I did not understand. I would grab a dictionary, I would look up the word, and I would read the word, see its definition, study the context in which it was used. And I still do that to this very day. Did it motivate you, like, after Hell hearing yeah. that? Hell yeah. Because, um, you know, when you're a man, especially a black man, it's hard. You know, you, 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 you feel like you're born with two strikes against you. That's how you feel. And you feel like the challenges that, you have to face, you got to find some way to overcome, but in most instances, it's not going down like that. Um, and so because of it, it's real easy to give up, to feel like the world is stacked against you. It's just that, you know, as, as black people, you know, we just have an incredible intestinal fortitude. And no matter what obstacles come our way, most of us are like, damn it, we gonna overcome it. We ain't bound, we ain't breaking, we ain't bending. Mm -hmm. Here we come, all right? We'll figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's definitely the case. That was the case with me, but I was helped because 
I had brothers on the wrong side of the tracks who refused to allow me to be a part of that. They were watching my back. They were looking out for me and they were holding me accountable, mm -hmm. you know? And so I never liked to fight, for example, and stuff like that. And then, you know, you had cats in the neighborhood that wanted to try me, but knew they couldn't kill me and stuff like that because the other good dudes would take them out. But they also made me fight the dudes. They're like, mm -hmm. you ain't going to be no damn punk. So then all of a sudden, all right, I ain't have to worry about this dude mm -hmm. shooting me. So all of a sudden I can get out there and I can beat his ass. Yeah, you had you know, that grit and, system. And do what I got to do. So, I mean, it's just all types of stuff like that that you had to deal with growing up. Um, Why did those certain guys want to test you? Oh, because I could ball and I talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, we were playing on the blacktop? So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, get on the court and it's like, okay, here we go. You know, you think you could take me. Let me show you. And I was the worst kind because I had a J. And so because of that, you know, you had cats and, you know, they might have been a little bit big or whatever. They want to get physical with you. I just stay 20 feet away from the basket and drill them. As soon as they give you the ball, it's like, I'm How, shooting it. Did you play, what level did you play? Did you play I played you? Division Two, but I really didn't play because I cracked my kneecap in half the, the minute I got there. So I never really, really had an opportunity to shine, which is why it makes me laugh when people say he didn't do anything in college. You know, he averaged two points a game. I said, really, two points? That's a lie. Because I never played because I cracked my kneecap. In that. I've seen the about? photo of you. Let's, say, seen let's, the say, photo of you. let's say you didn't get injured. What do you, what do you think would have happened with your career? I don't think I would have been pro. I don't think I was that good. But I think this that guy's so honest. I, I don't think crazy. I would have been pro at all. But I do believe <laughs> I knew I could ball. Um, and I thought that I would have excelled at the division two level, division one level. I was like five, nine, 130 pounds. Mm. So they'd have pushed me around. I would have been a defensive liability that would have had the coach pulling me off the bench to shoot, but not much else. So I can't say that my numbers would have been great. I just know that if I was on the court, you would have known I would, I could ball. But again, physicality did matter. Would you have been better than Kwame Brown? No, I'm not going to disrespect Kwame <laughs> Brown like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's cool. It's, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Kwame Brown. Listen. I, I'm I'm very guarded in what I say about him because I've seen yeah. some of his videos. True. And clearly is real, real personal with him. It was never personal with me. I just looked at his game and called it like I saw it. Now, if you remember, you got these infamous videos of me going off. It's guys, hilarious, I, man, but yeah, you know it. But guys, you can, <laughs> but wait a minute. But wait a minute. <laughs> Fellas, that was 14, 15 years ago. I, I, didn't, I know. I, I'm saying I didn't know yeah. that this society was going to evolve to a point where yeah, 14, true. 15 years later, you got yeah, guys right. yeah, yeah. Going in the space and he doing interviews talking about yeah, how right. scarred he is because and blaming me for labeling him. Yeah, I didn't right. do that. No, you actually are. No, no, right. he he, yeah. he he was on the pivot with my boys Ryan Clark and Crowder yeah, and, yeah. and Taylor. And he's like, you know, he, he talk about endorsement deals and I cost them that. I'm like, what? Like, nah, I didn't do that. They were saying this about you years before I ever opened my mouth. Yeah. But but it's it, but when you at the top of the heap, which I am at this particular moment in time <laughs> doing what I do for first take, people are gonna label it like that. Because first take's been number one for eleven years. <laughs> yeah. Why does that beef? I mean, you can't squash that beef. No, I mean, I'm not trying to squash, I'm not trying to start nor squash anything. Mm -hmm. I got a job to do. Mm -hmm. If I knew it was gonna be like that, I wouldn't have done it like that. But I did say what I meant at the time. <laughs> I meant the shit. Okay? Yeah, you and explained so, you explained so, it, yeah. And so it's like I'm not trying to hurt him. I I mean, I listen, man. Look, here's how I view it all. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he, his family, everybody good, and he lives his life. And if I knew it was going to be like this, I'd have never done it. Fair enough. 
I'm correction. But I will tell you this. My job is to call the game of basketball how I see it. Call sports how I see it. Okay? Yeah. He is not the first person that I've criticized. He won't be the last. I've been criticized. You got a whole bunch of people out here doing debate shows, podcasts, solo shows, all the people ain't saying shit about them. You coming to me, why? Okay, whatever reason is your reason. That's cool. But all I'm doing is talking about what I see. Now, if you seven feet and you averaging three points a game, that's what you did. If you averaging 23, that's what you did. If you averaging 30, that's what you did. If you, Dennis Robin, you was a defensive ace, that's what you did. I mean, I'm not throwing shade on anybody. I'm not trying to harm anybody. I'm not trying. I'm just doing my job, calling it like I see it. That's what I do. And here's the biggest thing that I get tired of people not understanding. And I mean this, and this is to y'all too, even though I don't know y'all. I want y'all to understand everybody has this obligation, okay? We cover sports. Everyone can't play it. <laughs> There's 450 jobs, people. They ain't 450 million. If you want to be in the NBA, you got, it's 450 spots. Okay? Anybody that's mediocre is taking up the spot for somebody else. So it's our job to say, that might not cut it. You might need something else. Because that's what we do. The great ones, we don't say that about them. You know what we do? We compare them to great ones. Why would we say anything? Think about it. You got people who call people like myself and others LeBron hater. I ain't got a negative bone in my body for LeBron. He's phenomenal. As a role model, as a player, as a person, the whole bit. To me, he just ain't MJ. Okay? Now, the society that we're living in we all have to make a contribution towards stopping this bullshit. Yeah, I agree, bro. How is it that we being negative because we saying you 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 number two? There's been you have an million, there's yeah. been tens of thousands of players in NBA history. Yeah. I have you number two all time. And that's yeah. disrespect. How is that hate? Yeah, and yeah, okay. How is that disrespect? We that's gotta stop. We gotta stop that I bullshit. I think the whole debate. That's great. Just no, like, I'm just saying we gotta say because you have people who get their podcast have their radio shows, have their television shows, and because you want to feed the beast, you feed into that bullshit. Well, guess what? You ain't special if you're doing that because you're scared to go against the status quo. You can't be caught up in all of that. That's not hate. Yeah, That agreed. is not hate. You're, sit, you're, you're talking about, I got you number two all time. That is not hate. And you it's got people that will want to act like that. Rihanna and Beyonce, I'm in this bullshit last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that, are you, yeah, yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, I want to know about that. I, yeah. But why did you say she's not Beyonce? Tom, why? Sherry Shepard <laughs> staff came up to me. I'm on the show promoting the book. <laughs> they came up to me before the show. <laughs> we would like a debate style format. We would like a debate style format. So keep that in mind whenever Sherry asks you a question. <laughs> so they're trying okay. to make they're trying to get good ratings off it. Well, come on, bro. That's what debate style's for. Bro, are you trying to get good ratings by having me on this? Of course. Oh, wait, this is not the no, wrong with what it. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just saying there's nothing not wrong with it. What, what I'm trying to say is this to you. The point that I'm making is, is that we're all, we're all 
doing it. There's nothing wrong with her saying we she didn't. I didn't know what she was going to ask, but she was just saying we want the debate feel. Yeah, yeah. So I went out there understanding <laughs> she wanted a debate feel. Come on, bro. That's I'm funny. looking at Rihanna. I'm like, well, she got my money. I bought her albums. I'm a fan of Rihanna. I think she's fantastic. I think she's fantastic, right? But there's only one Beyonce. <laughs> okay. I had no idea. I had now people understand this. I expect people to disagree. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What I don't expect is, oh, my God, uh, uh, ESPN's got to address this story. Uh, Steven, you've got to apologize. Uh, Steven, I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Because I said I prefer Michael Jackson over Prince. Where were y'all? I used to like Luther over Teddy Prendergrass. Where were y'all? Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm sorry. I, I-, I love me some Nia Long, some Sanaa Lathan, and all these people. But damn it, I got a sore spot for making good. <laughs> Is it a crime? I'm like, what are we talking about here? Now, if I sat up there and I said, oh, I can't stand it. She can't say she can't act. She can't do it. Then that's different. I sat up there and said, yo, y'all, I love her. She's great. She got my money. I've purchased her album. <laughs> I have the bill. I have the receipt. What are oh you talking about? I'm like, of course I like her. It's just that. Beyonce, I think that Bruno Mars <laughs> is the closest thing to Michael Jackson and Prince in the modern era. Sure. Okay? Th- that does not mean I don't like... I think that Jay-Z is the greatest. <laughs> but I grew up love. I grew up on Run DMC. Mm. LL. Okay? <laughs> cool Mo D. KRS-One. Eric B and Rakim. I grew up with these, these... I grew up listening to these people. And Run DMC, I know personally. LL, I know personally. I grew up, Jam Master J was my late brother's best friend. God rest his souls. I'm talking about like, but Nas, I love Nas, Eminem. But Jay-Z is Jay-Z to me. Sure. That's a crime? No, but what's what's scarier, getting that text from Kobe saying, answer your phone, motherfucker, or if Rihanna texted you and said, yo, answer Kobe's your phone, scary. motherfucker. Of course, I mean, what Kobe. the hell? Yeah. Have you, yeah. Man, have you, Rihanna, have you yeah, I don't know, have you gotten that yet or what? <laughs> listen, listen. Listen. Would you be f- afraid if you got that no. text? No. Hell no. Because I did nothing wrong. Would you answer it and say, Rihanna, The listen. only reason I apologize to Rihanna is because she didn't ask to be a part of this nonsense. And it's nonsense. So I feel bad that her name was associated with nonsense. I did not know. But don't get me wrong. I don't believe I did anything wrong. Yeah. And to me, listen, <laughs> I say this to people. You know, LeBron, going to miss him. Steph Curry, you're going to miss him. I'm getting news for y'all. People keep letting this kind of bullshit happen. Y'all going to miss me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're going to miss me. You're going to miss me when I'm going. <laughs> to be going. honest. And yeah. here's why I say that. Because this is BS. Yeah, I agree. It's like you're trying to tell me that if I am a fan of an artist and I said nary an insulting word about other artists, that I 
am pitting two women against each other. Uh, <laughs> I'm hurting. I'm hurting. This. Why does it have to be? I'm like, really? That's what we're doing now? You, 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 I'm telling y'all, trust me. Trust me. You want to listen to me when I say this. Podcasters, radio hosts, television pundits, all that stuff. You got to stop this BS. You got to stop this BS where you get to be labeled a hater because you big upped somebody more so than the other. Now, if you'd be a negative about another person and denigrating them and insulting them. No, that's different. That's different. But me saying you know, I prefer Beyonce over Rihanna and I got people, you know, sending messages on Facebook. You better watch your back from Navy. And I went like this to show you. Let me put myself on first sheet again. This is last week. Just last <laughs> okay. week. I said, who the hell's Navy? <laughs> what do you mean? The Navy? The Navy? Army? Navy? Air Force? Marines? Who the, hell's the, who, the, who the hell is that? They're like, no, the Rihanna Navy. I said, Rihanna Navy? Who the hell is that? I did not know. Yeah. I had no clue. I've never heard of them until last week. Did you do you, do you apologize or do you think it's ridiculous? You even I have to? apologize. I just told you I apologize to Rihanna. Yeah, because of her name being associated with such nonsensical drivel, it makes no sense. But I ain't apologize to no damn Navy. Yeah, I agree. I ain't apologize to no damn industry. All of them, can, please <laughs> go Navy. someplace. It's ridiculous. This is nonsense. Yeah, and and I'm telling you right now, if y'all don't stand up and defend against this bullshit. Y'all ain't going to have a podcast that matters. Nobody is. Radio shows, television, it's all going to evaporate because you can't say anything. Has it gotten tougher but for you? But anything. that's what people want. They yeah, want to hear you say yeah, that shit. That's and that's what it does for that show. It's like, it's, 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 listen, but I say what I feel. If you, in case you haven't figured that we out. We know that, yeah. I say what I feel. But if the Kwame Brown thing, that's negative. I got that. I own that. Yeah. If I had to do it over again from 14, 15 years ago, guys, I would do it differently. Okay? No question about it. All right? But I did nothing wrong with the Rihanna Beyonce thing. Nothing. Okay? It's petty. It's ridiculous. And I don't have any time. Do you think Do you think feel can kind of uh, be a detriment to your own success as well? Because, like, having a feel and then being logical in certain situations, do you think that could be a detriment to your own success? If it is, it is. You got to accept who you are because at the end of the day, the only thing that's sustainable is being your true authentic self. If so you, you try to be a feel, phony just to get someplace, it's not going to have any longevity to it. It's not going to last. So you think feel is like the ultimate thing that you should always come by? I wouldn't say if just you feel. feel. If, you got to put forth your due diligence. You got to do your homework. It has to matter. You have to have credibility. People got to know that your place comes from a place of, of your heart, thoughts come of from su and substance. And substance. Yeah, and yeah. substance. Course, you yeah. can't just be talking shit just to be talking shit. Mm -hmm. you just say, they could sit up and use my presentation and say that but if you listen to what I say yeah you'll notice that most things that I say I'm spitting facts yeah I heard, I heard but you people people say the most ridiculous things in the world to go viral now yeah even Skip I saw Skip tweeted last night he said LeBron's probably relieved they didn't call that foul so he didn't have to shoot free throws okay but it's like okay, that's, that's just like okay. but that's ridiculous that he doesn't even believe that <laughs> fair enough to you yeah what I would say to you about Skip is that it is consistent with who he is when it comes to LeBron. So, whether intentional or not, he's on brand. For sure. That's who he is when it comes to LeBron. I happen to disagree. 
I happen to have disagreed many, many years with him about that. But he is consistent. Does he yep. feel that way, though? Do you think that he actually genuinely yes. feels that way about yes, because, uh, because 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 he, like many others, are people who gravitate to a certain era mm-hmm. and certain players. You gravitate and the to thought, it as well, And the right? thought of somebody eclipsing them infuriates you. Me, I don't care. You don't give a I just yeah. feel what I feel. It's not a desire to hold on to some time that... I, the only thing that I want to hold on to as it pertains to the past, I like the path to prosperity to be consistent. But can't you I don't that? like it to be altered, but then people try to judge as if you went through that same path somebody from the past went through. It's just like a Hall of Famer picking up the phone and calling me and saying, Stephen A., make sure you hold them accountable. That's what you would do to us. Put them through the same thing you put us through. See, I like stuff like that because that's that's people reminding me that there's a level of consistency that needs to come with the criteria. And as long as that okay, is the case, it's good. It. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's good. It's good. The consistent criteria. Yeah. Don't change it for somebody, but then judge them the same. No. Mm, yeah. 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 If you're going to change the criteria, then you have to judge makes them. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That I keep the sense. criteria the same. And I say, this is what I'm seeing. And this is what it is. Do you think with Skip, though, for him holding a grudge of like, uh, not, not a grudge per se, but more of like, like the inferior stuff that you were talking about? Can't you say that about Run DMC, Rakim, the, the, the greats that you do talk about? What I mean by that is like, even like the Jordan LeBron debate, right? It's like, Damn, like LeBron, I, I feel as if, honestly speaking, you talk about feel, I feel as if a lot of people are like, damn, LeBron will never eclipse MJ no matter what the hell he does. Well, you know what I'm trying to say? Well, so, having six NBA finals losses okay, but okay, have something to do with it. Yeah, you could fail in life though sometimes. I'm like, just saying, but it comes but, from that place. But, it's not like LeBron went to 10 NBA finals and he's 9-1 and one or 10-0 and oh and people are saying this. You got to, just like you might feel differently, you got to take into account the fact he's that lost. he's 4 yes. six Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, you yeah, have I know. To. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm like, you know, feeling a way of like having you that are, LeBron. but it's okay. You're okay, entitled. Yeah, but I got to think logical sometimes too. Yeah, I think and logical. I get like that MJ had the 6-0 finals, but dude, come on, man. Like if he passes Kareem, bro, you come on. Like, come no, on. Like, you go on. <laughs> No, come on. You but I, but <laughs> yo, the rules I love, have changed. I love that you're, I love it's that consistent you're, I with what I've said in terms of the past to prosperity is a bit easier in this day. I know, I know, I know. To score. Yeah, you're right. You you're right. take that into yeah, consideration. You're right. I got to look at it that way. Don't yeah, you think right. that's why this is the, that's, I hate that debate, the MJ LeBron debate, because no one's ever going to change their mind anyway. So well, why? I don't, I, I, you know what? To me, I don't take it that far. Yeah. What I like, mean by that is that like you hate it. I don't think about it. The reason I don't think about <laughs> I just it, is I wouldn't say it hate just, it, but it's it a just, waste of time. It just, it just doesn't matter to me because I've made it very clear years ago mm-hmm. that my position ain't gonna change, and everybody keeps coming to me asking that question. If yeah. they didn't ask, I wouldn't answer. Sure. Do you think, uh, as like a in your position, in your position, there is any pressure? Like, let's say you're picking the winner of the finals. Years and years, and you and you get it wrong. Is I got any, it wrong six straight years. Do you have any? Is there any accountability for that, or do you like? No. How, Why should there be? Just someone in your position that's you know a student of know? the game. No. Do you know I'm, how I know many people are. I cover that don't know shit about basketball that talk about basketball every day? What, what if they said you went zero for six though? So, so maybe. <laughs> what about the what about before that when I went eight and zero? 
What about you don't, you don't hear about that? <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear about that one. So that's that's what I'm trying to say. So yeah. what happens is is young dudes want to come up mm -hmm. that want to recall what they want to recall. It's like the person that comes up to me and they says to me, "I could beat you in the debate, man." That's happened to me. Do you know what I've said to them when they've said that to me? I don't. You probably could. <laughs> here's what I'd like you. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to come to me after you put in the 20 years that I put in before yeah, okay. I got the license right, to right. debate. You can't debate with that. Then come talk to me. Because <laughs> when I was, up. when I wanted to get in the industry, we had the Bryant Gumbles and the Bob Costases, the Howard Cosells and various others and Wilborn and Kornheiser came along and you had the sports reporters with Lupica and Bob Ryan and Mitch Album and all of these other people. And I thought I could do that in my sleep. I had to wait. Mm -hmm. I had to go to school. I had to get my education. I had to do three internships before I ever even got graduated from college. I had to start off as an editorial assistant living off of tuna fish and Kool-Aid. I had to start off as a high school reporter after that. After that, I had to do a college beat and get promoted seven times before I even became a columnist, before I was even on television. I had to do all of this before I ever had the license to debate. Who the fuck are you? To think that you get to bypass all that stuff that I just highlighted <laughs> and then come up and just debate me. You can kiss off. Mm -hmm. You have to wait. Yep. Because that's what I had to do. What if it's it's MMA? called the process. That's what, true. What, what if it's an MMA fam? Because I'm honestly it doesn't, speaking like. It, MMA, I don't, I don't, I like it, no, no, no. With all due respect. <laughs> can I say not, my opinion? No, that's not a credible question. No, it is credible. No, because, because there's nothing to debate because I don't there report is on it. I don't. No, all I did was. I was sitting at the MMA event minding my business. You don't, I'm sorry. This is my opinion, like how you have a quantity, but you don't really know too much about MMA. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to say right. that, From, but like, that's the truth. Time uh, out, time because out. Because out. when time you talk about answer. even Khabib McGregor, you talked about Khabib McGregor, oh my God. 229 when they fought. Yeah, you know, oh my God. You just but heard like, his 20 years. No, because, it's no, no, not no, that. No, it's no, not, that's no. not 20 years I'm going to let you finish. That's not. Salim Stephen A. 20 years I'm going to let you finish. For real. And then I'm going to. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you finish, and then after that, I'm going to show you how foolish okay, you are. Okay, go, go, okay, Let's go. Okay, Khabib McGregor, right? I just think like, you know, your basketball mind is is very intellectual, and I love the way you think, and I love the way you like, you know, critique things. Even when you talked about LeBron, where he was coming at, you know, uh, NFL owners, and you were like, "Yo, be careful." Okay. I seen that the other day. Got you. I think you're very smart with that, mm -hmm. but I think when you talk about uh, Khabib McGregor, Khabib Cowboy, and mm -hmm. and and it's just like you're you're not too honed in on how MMA is actually is, and and that's just one critique I have of you, like like you talk about Kwame Brown, like oh, I can't talk about it, like mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like I talk like Allen Iverson, all that okay. stuff. But what was your take on on Khabib oh, no, McGregor? No, no. Uh, I'd like I'd like to answer him. Go. He hasn't given me a chance to answer because see, you like hearing your tough talk. But you, <laughs> you do. What are you talking about? I get Yo, paid. I get do. paid. I get paid to do it, and you invited me here I to talk. I get paid to do this, too. And you invited me here to talk, so let me answer your question. Uh, I just think that, like, I still can't specifically know. He's still not going to look at me. No, okay. okay so, I'm so sorry. I'm so you. sorry. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I have several witnesses over there. Okay. I was at the <laughs> MMA event as a fan, chilling with the president of the UFC <laughs> and the president of Endeavor, who happens to be the man who hired me at ESPN in 2003. Okay. 
ESPN says, you hear? So credibility. This is what you're basically saying. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. ESPN says, you're here. Could you do us a favor? We know you don't watch the sport like that. You're just learning the sport. Would you mind standing next to Daniel Cormier and them and doing the segment for us? Mm-hmm. I said, fucking why not? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I've never watched the Mega Met off. Yeah. I said, I'm here. I said, I'm rooting for Conor McGregor. I know Conor <laughs> McGregor can clip anybody, but damn, McGregor, Mega Meadow at the time was 26, 27 and 0. Yeah. I said, he's going to maul him to death. But what, if, but what if Conor McGregor, what if he clips him? Let what me if? step, out. Let me take it a step further. So Daniel Cormier goes first and he's talking. Mm-hmm. Everybody's cracking up because I said, we're going to go with what he said. And everybody's <laughs> cracking up because I'm like, He's a headline heavyweight champion. Well, he knows this. I don't. I'm here. I don't know the sport. I said, I love, I respect the athletes. I'm a fan. I'm starting to watch it. That's all. (laughs) The problem with the MMA fans was that they felt, and Joe Rogan said it at the time, they felt like you shouldn't be doing that unless you're an expert. And I said, no, you shouldn't be doing it if you're pretending to be an expert and you're not. You know how many times somebody goes up to an actor, an actress, a football player, a fan, or somebody, what do you feel about this game between the Warriors and the Cavaliers or some basketball-related mm-hmm. matter? They were a fan in attendance, but because they're popular, they put you on the microphone in front of the camera, and they asked you a question. So what I'm saying to you is, your point is absolutely valid. <laughs> if I ever went on there and said, I am an expert, I follow this sport. Yeah, you didn't say I, Okay. I, not hold on, no. Not only did I not say that, <laughs> I made sure to tell people, look, I don't know. I'm just like, I like this one. I like the environment. The vibe is, is pretty cool, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Conor McGregor fights Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone. I called that fight accurate. That's when Joe Rogan came at me. But Nate Diaz said, Stephen A was right. What was your take? Okay, you I were said, right. I, hold on, hold on. Hold Go on. ahead. I, Cerrone, I said he looked like a deer in headlights. <laughs> I said, now, I don't know, quote, I don't know MMA, but I know a scared dude when I see one. Okay. Because I've been covering sports for all of these years. Yeah, yeah. And that night, with those lights coming on, he wasn't scared of uh, uh, Connor, but you, I have seen throughout the years where the bigger the stage the brighter the lights, uh-huh. yeah. that is what affects a particular athlete. And that night, I saw that from Cowboy Cerrone. I didn't see it from him when he was on the undercard and he beat up, I forgot the game, the dude, he beat up real bad. But I didn't see that that night when he was on the undercard. I saw, when he went into the ring against McGregor and those lights came on and he was the main event, he shrunk. That's it. So for me, it's like I'm looking at the MMA community and I said, tell me when I said I was an expert. Tell me when I even said that I watched. Yeah, you got your point. I'm sorry. I mean, it just I. Well, it also sounds like anything you talk about, no matter what, people are going to take you as. Yeah. And that's true. And that's very, very true. Which makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So you kind of signed up for that in a sense. No, 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 I didn't. Because (laughs) I'm not signing up. I'm not signing up for you not listening. I specifically said. I don't, 
I'm just learning MMA. You no, can I hear, don't you know can hear, but not That's listen. not what I meant. <laughs> what I meant is I listen. think other people just assume, though, Stephen A., like, we have to treat him like an expert. Well, what, yeah, maybe so, but what happens is this. I'm Stephen A., and for better or worse, over the, you know, knock on wood, it could end tomorrow, it can end next month, whatever. But I've been number one for 11 years. I'm box office. But don't, and <laughs> so when I come on camera, people watch. And so they said, well, we got you here. I'm literally in the ESPN booth eating food, chilling, <laughs> hanging out. And they were like this. Could you come on camera? Could you? Well, why not? I'm here anyway. Don't you think that comes though from feel as well? Like people could hear to listen, like not to listen, but like if someone hears, it's. I think it's not as important as someone's listening. They want to be you know entertained. It's entirely it's inter- plausible. Entertainment. It's yeah. entirely plausible that they said, Let's hear what this crazy ass dude got to say about MMA because he don't cover MMA. Let's see what he says. No problem. And you've thought of that before your decision making, right? Like when, like uh, they ask you a favor, right? You're like, okay, I understand what I'm about to do right now. I'm not going to say I'm an expert. This, this, and that. No, that's just me. That's it's it's the equivalent to what. Remember when I told you earlier in the conversation? Remember when I told you earlier in the conversation? Mm -hmm. If I'm wrong publicly. I'll apologize publicly. Of course. I won't apologize privately because I did it on the air, so correct it on the air. 100%. What's the same principle? If you know that an audience is watching. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they may be expecting expertise because they're listening to Daniel Cormier and they're listening to Joe Rogan yeah, and all of these other guys. And I know I'm not mm-hmm. inherently. In my opinion, it's my obligation to let you know. Look, man, don't take this as no damn expert opinion. Don't go out and bet on my my suggestion. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. would not do that Mm because I don't know. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is what I'm thinking. And I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. Because (laughs) I can do that. That's awesome to hear. That's actually really That's what's, it. What's up with the No Mercy podcast? Um, it's went on YouTube January 9th. I couldn't go on before then, even though it's been out since September 26th because uh, ESPN, I had to negotiate my way out of my contract to be allowed to do all of that because they have my rights. Right. And so they had to give me the right to do that and I had to negotiate my way to do that. But I'm told it's doing pretty damn well. So what, what is it? Tell, tell well, it's, uh, it's, it's me venturing beyond the world of sports, not limiting myself to the corridors of sports because doing ESPN... Um, you know, you might have heard me speak thing about things politically, social justice issues, stuff like that from time to time. But by and large, working for ESPN, you're pretty restricted to doing to being confined to the world of sports. It was important to me that if I was going to do a podcast that I had the freedom to venture beyond that. There's political issues going on. I want to talk about it. The social justice issues like the, the recent murder of this kid, Tyree Nichols in Memphis, I want to be able to talk about that. I don't want to be, I don't want it to be something that I have to avoid because it's not my lane because I'm restricted by the corridors of ESPN in that regard. That was very important to me. And so I assured them that I would do what I'm supposed to do for them on their time. But on my time, 
this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that we negotiated. They was in agreement with it. They allowed me to do that um, after the negotiations, of course. And so that's what my No Mercy podcast is all about. I touch on issues that are percolating as pertinent, fan, uh, you know, pop culture and entertainment, social justice issues, politics, current affairs, news, plus sports. I'm not limited to anything. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of platform that I wanted my, for myself if I was going to do a podcast. Okay. Congratulations. Weekly, weekly thing. I do it three, three times, times a week now. Three times a week. Yes. Wow. Good for Monday, you. Wednesday, Friday. How do, how do you enjoy doing it on YouTube as compared to like the more corporate ESPN stuff? I love it. Um, but see, for me, they can say corporate ESPN, but when it comes to the world of sports, there's no better place to be than ESPN, in my in my opinion. But I mean, like I being mean, your but, own boss completely. Like, so what? Not that you're not your yeah, own boss. I'm, you know well, I mean? Yeah, I get you, but being my own boss, it's a lot of responsibility. Right. And um, there's no doubt about it. I have a team working under me. And so every little thing that, you know, it's, you, you learn as you go away. I've never had to deal with this before. You got thumbnails and you got graphics and you got yeah, headlines. You got, I've a, never had to deal with that so in my stressful. life. That's yeah. stuff that I left up to everybody else. Now so I got to deal with it. And then I'm leaving it up to other people from time to time and they might do something and I might say, oh, I would have done this a little bit differently yeah, and I got to make that call. But you got to yeah. trust. You got to know when to trust folks, know when to pull a heavy hand, know when to step back and let them do their job, yep. stuff like that. And I'm the one cutting the checks. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's an incredible challenge. It's new. I get all of that. And, you know, but all of y'all, everybody that's out here doing this serves as an inspiration because it's not safe. You know, the fact is you're betting on yourself. And the reality is, is that when you're in corporate America and you're getting a salary every day, whether it's weekly, bi-monthly or whatever the case may be, although you're still putting forth your effort, you're still not betting on yourself to the degree that you are when you're out on your own you and you're employing people. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing now. That's new to me because I've never done that before. And it's an incredible challenge. But props to y'all to be so young, to do what you do, to run your own shop. A lot of people, you'd be surprised how a lot of old school folks like myself have been highly reluctant and hesitant over the years to do that because throughout history, you never really were taught that that is the, that is the safe way to go. Uh -huh. Usually one in a thousand people succeed as opposed to one in 50, for example, when you're talking about corporate America. Do you think we're feeding them though? Huh? Like the, the, the one question I've always like wanted to know is like, we're putting out things on YouTube and just feeding the people that are on YouTube, yep. like, doesn't that kind of affect the way we're trying to like, like have like, you know, quote unquote, like, uh, free speech, you know what I mean? Being able to say what you want. Well, I think feeding YouTube and, and doing all those things, not to talk yes. about it now, cause I know it's going to be on YouTube, but I think it's a great like, well, conversation to have. Let me say this to you. How old are you? I'm 28. How old are you? 28. 28? You're 21. 21. Yeah. My advice to y'all would be this, you know, as much success as, as I've had, one of the greatest things that I'm starting to feel right now, I'm 55, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, one more good contract. I'm straight. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it was nice. Ride was cool, you know? I'm okay. It's great to see now, you. I still got, yeah. I still feel I got 15, 20 years in me. But what I'm saying to you is that conceivably, you got people in this day and age retiring at the age of 62. Yeah. For me, I will have achieved the ultimate goal is if at the age of 62, I can literally say I'm walking away from everything. And I'm just going to chill. That's that seven, the best shit that, ever. That's seven years. Yeah. That's seven years from now. 
all the both of y'all got over 30. You got 40. I got it. And what I would tell you is this be very, very careful. Because the good side is that you're young, the world is your oyster. You got the whole world in front of you. Go for it. Do what you got to do. The bad part about it, understand that the society that we're living in right now, one mistake could cost you everything. Fuck. And it can define Holy you. Crap. And so it's incredibly, True. it's incredibly important to be mindful of the importance of being substantive. Being the kind of person that where even if people disagree with you, they're able to look at you, they're able to say, you were fair-minded, you were humane, you know, and you were as thorough as you possibly could be. If you're able to do those three things, you're humane, you're fair, and you are as thorough as you possibly can be, what you touched on was as close to the truth as you could possibly get. Those are the kind of things that can sustain you for years and years and years to come. So if you weren't doing this, you could always do something else and people would be receptive to embrace you. Sometimes it can't set you free, though. I think the suit that literally the truth can't set you free. I mean, we're can't. living in literally exactly what's going on right now. That's right. It's 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 horrible. Well, it's like, dangerous, I mean, like, though, because people listen, man, we've seen people that will try to convince us the sky is gray when it's blue. Like we're looking at the sky. That's yeah. And it's <laughs> that's amazing. Right? And they will try to convince you it's gray. So when you say the truth, I said, get as close to the truth as you possibly can. Because what I'm trying to say to you is someone will always try to convolute it. What you don't want it to do is put yourself, what you don't want to do is put yourself in a position where someone else's truth damages you to such a degree that you can't. Uh, yeah, because it's either it's above or like it's either at the top. Every the show you do, it's you a, should be thinking about tomorrow. Oh, it man. shouldn't be about yesterday. It shouldn't be about now. It should be about tomorrow. You have to look ahead to ensure you're one step ahead mm -hmm. from most naysayers, exactly, yeah. critics, skeptics, etc. To to insulate yourself from the BS. That's that's how we treat this too. I'm, you got to we got to wrap it up because you got to get out of here. But we did Elon Musk and it was a huge thing for us. The next day we're already looking for the next guy. Right. Didn't even live off that. But before we let you go, I just want to ask you. Um, if you had like one during your whole career, if you had one like very special moment or something like that, you think was just something you'll never forget or just changed your life. Honestly speaking, um, I would always ask, answer that question by saying my first interview with Allen Iverson when I was doing quite frankly, my show on ESPN two, but especially as I reflect on my book, straight shooter. And I think about the things about my personal life that I put in that story. And I think about where I've been blessed to be at this point in time in my life. I would have to answer that question by saying one of the greatest moments was me with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant and I saw each other three weeks before he died. New Year's Eve, uh, 2019 going into 2020. Um, where we were is nobody's business. We were at a party of a superstar that was having a party at his house. And we were there and people were around and they saw us and they were wondering what the hell was going on because even though we'd always see each other and give each other a pound and a hug, 
we kept hugging each other for like 15 minutes. We were talking and he was incredibly proud of me because of what I was doing in my career and where I was going. And we were talking about it because he was doing the, you know, <clears throat> he was doing a, his thing for ESPN and ESPN plus detail. And he knew that I was about to start my production company and stuff like that. And we were talking about collaborating on certain projects and stuff like that coming forward. And we were supposed to meet a few weeks later uh, before his fatal helicopter crash. What I remember about that night is I had never seen him that happy ever in all the years that I knew him. And we were talking about his happiness. He was talking about me and what I was accomplishing and what we were going to do. And I was talking to him about his happiness. And he said, it's just a good feeling to know as much stuff that I want to do now that my initial list, I did it all. They can't say nothing. And he said, for the first time in my life, I'm at peace. You know, he could go to a game with Gianna, God rest her lovely soul. And he could sit up there at the game and there was no itch to be back on the court. There was no itch to have another championship. There was no itch to be recognized differently or anything like that. He did it. He did it. And he was like, this is what life is all about. When you achieve what you set out to achieve and you know that you left nothing on the table. And when you have that, that is when you are at peace. It doesn't come before then. And he was very, very good and very big on making sure that his story was relatable to everyone in life. He's talking about you guys. He's talking about me. He's talking about Solange. He's talking about everybody. He's talking about whatever it is that's inside of you that does it for you. That's what you're supposed to be going after. He was wise enough to do it and pull it off. And the misery that other people feel is because they know, as I remember this pastor T.D. Jakes once said, he said, you can lock a, 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 a tiger or a lion can be born into captivity and they only know one way. He said, but why is the cage encasing them? He said, because there's something in them that says, there's something out there. There's something more out there. And with Kobe, he was like, yeah, I knew there was something out there. And I went and got it. And if everything, he said, I want more now. But if everything ended now, I did it. I got my family. I got my kids. And I got all of these accomplishments. And there's nothing that anybody could say. And I'll never forget that as long as I live, how much at peace he was with his life. He was, he was like 40, 40, going 41 years old. <clears throat> and I had never seen anyone his age, including myself, happier than he was that night with his life. And that's what I hold on to. And, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, I put into my book when I got COVID and I start reflecting on my life and looking back at things. I'm like, damn, you know, yeah, I'm hungry. You know, now the book's on the bestseller list. Okay. I did it. I, I did 
what I came to do. So yeah, I'm gonna be on ESPN. You're gonna see me on first take, you're gonna see me on NBA Countdown, you're gonna hear me on No Mercy on my podcast, you're gonna see my books on shelves, you're gonna see all of that. But you know something? I did it. And so now I can look at my bodyguard, my assistant, my sister, my brother-in-law, my other sisters, my nieces and nephews, my daughters, everything. And I'm like, I'm all right. I'm okay. And that that's what I was thinking about Kobe this week when he crossed my mind in the anniversary of his death, his third year anniversary. I was thinking about because that's the first time. That's the first time I looked at myself in the way that he looked at himself and he was talking about to me that night. Yeah. And that's what I got. It's pretty powerful. Thanks for sharing that. You tend to forget forget what you're really, like what you've accomplished. I think that's, that's what I got from like what you were saying. Yeah. And it's great to to hear because like even hearing that story, it's like, like, damn, you know what I mean? God rest his soul for real. Like, honestly, yeah, I'm like, for real, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. Like even what you were saying with, Fuck, man, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, when you get to a point, it's, all right. it's just, it's awesome to hear that. It's so, all right. Your assistant's telling us you got to get out of here, bud. Okay. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really man. Thank appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, Thanks for sharing. So much. Thank you, man. Yeah, man I enjoyed it, man. Thank you, You're bro. crazy. I like He's you 20 years in the past. Why am I crazy? I'm just messing with you, man. No, I know you are. You guys have to go get dinner and let us know. There's every truth to every joke. I mean, I honestly No, 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 no. I'm just saying that's in a good way. You know, you're inquisitive, but you're passionate. That's what you're supposed to be, bro. 